Good morning. Our scripture portion for this morning is taken from James chapter 2, verse 14 to 26, and James chapter 4, verse 1 to 10. Please read with me. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, by faith itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you not, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac at the altar? You see, that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Our second scripture reading is from James 4, verse 1 to 10. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter, to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up.
This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for reading, Safiya. And uh, greetings to one and all in the name of Jesus Christ, to the church, the people of God gathering today and the South Delhi congregation. Shall we look to God in prayer? Gracious God, your words are so powerful. They are double-edged sword and it's a hammer and uh, it's a mirror. Lord, what shall we say unto you when your word is so powerful to reflect us and to break and convict us and also dissect and Lord to correct us? We submit your word. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful words given to us through the letter written by James the Apostle. Thank you, Master. Lord, as we ponder and focus our hearts upon the reading of your holy word, speak to us. Let the sweet sounding of the voice of the Holy Spirit resound and make us to become obedient. As James himself says, that we will not simply look at the mirror and go away, but Lord, we will look at and become doers of your word. To this end, we commit our meditation and our thoughts and our uh, message in your hand. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I will be just sharing the screen. Just a moment. Thank you. Dear brothers and sisters, so exciting that we are pondering from the epistle of James. I'm sure many of you have noticed the very book consists of uh, instructions garlanded together. I compare this to a garland, the flower garland that are made to decorate or become ornamental in occasions made of so many varieties of flowers, assorted flowers. And the book of James, something similar to that of a garland made of varieties of flowers. Flowers that will are to be adorned. And uh, well, although I use the word garland, but this uh, book comes with too many instructions. And uh, there are studies done comparing Matthew chapter 5, the Mount, Sermon on the Mount, and all the comparison here in book of James, which are given as instruction for the people of God. So, taking the number of things described, given to us, let us focus today from chapter 2, the first portion, the first paragraph, and also move on, linking the garland to Chapter 4, verse 1 to 10. 1 to 10. And I had given connecting both the passages under this title, Faith at Work Leading to Submission to God. In a station like Nagpur, many trains crisscross. And the Tamil Nadu train from Chennai as well as from Delhi crosses at 2 o'clock. The passengers boarded the Tamil Nadu Express. 
and the person got onto his topper and leaned to the one lying on the lower berth, asked, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Chennai. And uh, the person on the top said, oh, I'm going to Delhi. What happened there? <laughs> so there, is, there are two people. Then the person on the top said, how come this train is supposed to go to Delhi and you are saying you are going to Chennai? And uh, they were discussing. Well, sometimes there is a blind faith when we get into any kind of train or mode of transport. The train exactly crosses at 2 o'clock, Tamil Nadu, and one person blindly seeing the display Tamil Nadu Express, he boarded. And there is no indication whether it is going to Chennai or uh, Delhi, unless otherwise you enquire from the coolies or those who are the TTEs. So landing in a wrong direction, in the wrong train, because of blind faith can be disastrous. You can't jump out. Well, this has happened to one of my friends, a doctor who boarded the wrong train and jumped out of the train and came under the wheels. So it's a risky thing. Why I'm saying this? Many times we travel by many modes of transport in this, you know, the modern day world. We trust few things. The train I'm boarding will go. Or the driver or those who are piloting the aircraft or the captains, they are going to you know, take me to my destination. We allow ourselves in the hands of those who are taking you by the mode of transports. How much we believe upon them, trust upon them, our faith has put us into certain level of actions. Well, we come back to the faith of our spiritual life, faith upon God, faith upon God. This is going to be something very different, very different in the sense, the more we trust human beings for our safe reaching our destination, I don't know how much we believe upon the Lord. Here, I put the title, Harmonizing Faith with Action. Harmonizing Faith with Action. Action not only speaks louder than the word, but brings better results. And I'm sure for us, seeing is believing. The person who boarded the train at Nampuri saw that display. He believed. Sometimes that's how we end up. We can go to the wrong place. So I is all the time focused on number of actions. Sometimes we ourselves say, your words are, uh, you know, your actions are so loud, I can't hear you. Well, this is how we are coming to look at the faith, which is going to be the root of our spiritual life. Faith is the root. How does we look at this chapter? Our brother James, I call him brother James, he is supposed to be the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He also, you know, kind of uses number of illustrations, similar to what Christ Jesus himself put as parables. He brings in a particular episode here. How does he bring his episode or the presentation here? Chapter 2. Verse 14 following, what good is 
it, see, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, though I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. He creates a hypothesis or a situation where the person who addresses the homeless or the you know dressless people or poorly clad people or a person who is staying in the street, you know, wishing so much well. But that wasn't helpful. He presented the case. And then he is moving on to tell how the faith has to be the root of our deeds. Verse 18 following, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, I will show my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. This is where I like to highlight the example what James himself is bringing before all of us. He is indicating how Abraham believed on the Lord. He had faith on the Lord, verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. He brings a particular incident again from Bible, an illustration. How Abraham believed on the Lord and God counted that for righteousness. And this is how he is showing so much even about Rehab. Rehab, how he believed, trusted in the living God of Israel and helped the spies and also brought the victory by reporting back through the spies that how the people of that location, uh, Jericho, are afraid of the living God. Well, coming back to this location of uh, faith as a root, Many of us, we know from the word of God, if I don't believe, I can't be saved. There are enough words talking about by faith, how we are saved. By faith upon Christ Jesus, the one who sent from the Lord, from the Father, we become children. John 1.12, John 3.16, by believing, we receive the eternal life. And Paul keeps explaining by faith we are justified by faith we are redeemed by faith we are brought into the fold of christ jesus and by faith on christ jesus we are again taking root as spiritual being and getting rooted in christ jesus wherever faith failed people failed to trust the lord believe on jesus there was total uh, disaster so taking the faith which is described in the Bible, we treat it, treat it as a root, root of a tree. When the roots are firm, the tree is supposed to bring forth good fruits. So I move on to indicate the action that we are going to display as fruit. Martin Luther, who when he bumped on this verse, the faith 
without work is dead he had some kind of doubt about the very passage of james he even looked at oh this cannot be brought into the canonical book of bible the 66 books because martin luther was you know uh, was completely swayed away by the number of practices rituals or traditions that engrossed the whole uh, roman catholicism in the very church he was part of they believed by doing customary things or doing certain uh, rules following certain practices rule regulation they can attain salvation or by doing certain prayers or confessional prayers only through the priest only through the certain uh, you know appointed leaders of that particular sect of christianity they could obtain salvation so he found out he got you know the revelation by faith only a person can be saved and only by placing faith on jesus christ lord savior alone can be saved and so he found out some difficulty of taking what you call the action or deeds which should shall come or follow for faith but looking at the whole of biblical doctrine of faith and our salvation we try to understand the faith and action are the two sides of the same coin i take out the coin one side the numericals are written the value of the coin the other side the emblem of the country are the one who is issuing the value of that particular coin or the currency so it is the same thing the bible is talking back and forth when we move to the book of romans i would like to highlight that verse for you chapter 4 of romans paul uses the same example and uh, he goes on to say in chapter 4 romans chapter 4 verse 2 and 3 if in in fact in fact abraham was justified by works he had something to boast about but not before god what does scripture say abraham believed god and it was credited to him as righteousness well this is how you know the faith came into action and also now when we come back to book of james we see something here how we you know um, um, uh, james is putting that same illustration or example chapter 2 of james verse 20 you foolish man do you want evidence that faith without deed is useless was not our ancestors abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son isaac on the altar well this is how we all know faith will be translated transmitted in our action without trusting a pilot or a captain or the driver who's taking the train across the whole of country for kilometers together or the one who is driving your vehicle you know you won't sit there after sitting you don't doubt you don't go and ask the captain or the pilot or the driver sir are you sure you can you know where's my destination will you drive me safe we comfortably get seated first on our berth or you know put our belts together you know tighten our belts and fly together so 
the same way paul talked about faith and which also followed by actions in the life of abraham and so what we conclude yes abraham laid his son on the altar and saying he is going to be sacrificed because he believed on the lord and he took the knife he was about to give him as a sacrifice and which translated into action knowing trusting fully well i will offer my isaac and i will return my son back and he was unafraid of he was not doubtful about it that's exactly both the great uh, people of god illustrated in bible as uh, is my faith getting translated into action and there are number of things we can uh, you know uh, uh, go on adding to that there is an intellectual faith the satans have intellectually knowledgeable about god jesus christ they cried out and number 2 what we see you know there is the faith without work which is going to be dead i know how even a place like our nation india they truly believe in whatever form of god okay they are not uh, such uh, people godless people they believe in any god i come partially from a hindu background my hindu relatives they also keep certain uh, pictures of jesus and worship him also as uh, you know picture format or why because my mom has become a christian and say they wanted to show respect for my mother's religion what i want to show is they don't truly believe in jesus christ when you go and ask about will you trust only jesus or every other god they say they believe in all the gods so that is a dead faith but when we come to look at the living faith this living faith is fully dependent on god hence we conclude that from the life of even rehab that trusting the living god we need to show our faith in action that's why i put the third point under harmonizing faith integrate our faith in our words how do we integrate how do we integrate all right last week we also you know uh, 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 we kept seeing so many things okay the integrating of faith is the same thing what abraham rehab put into their action putting into the very our deeds whatever works we carry them out there we have you know we also do understand faith you know without faith on jesus christ our deeds will be filthy like that what isaiah 6410 says our deeds without christ deeds without the salvation of the lord savior jesus christ without the faith upon the living god can become a you know filthy rags so we have this faith integrated in our action that is why paul used the hypothetical scenery you when you wish somebody well go keep yourself warm am i sending some cloth also have good food am i sending some food also for him let not our faith be empty let not our words of faith be empty it has to be filled with action it has to be integrated in our day to day action that's what we see in verse 24 chapter 2 of james 24 you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone so that is where we see the integration then we move on 
here we are moving to the fourth chapter here james is again bringing a wonderful scenery or a particular incident or hypothetical situation chapter 4 where the heart matters we have faith in our heart faith in our life and we are children of god to be called as his beloved and to be born again and to be destined for eternal life and in a situation how our hearts are responding to that are they submissive enough to god i put this title called heart matters in our submission chapter 4 verse 1 following what causes fights quarrels among you don't they come from your desires that battle within you you want something but you don't get it you kill covet but you cannot have what you want you quarrel and fight you do not have because you do not ask god when you ask you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives what you may spend what you get on your pleasure well last week we saw from the uh, study about tongue the heart also mattered because out of the fullness of heart our mouth speaks well many of the thought process originate in our mind in our hearts and here james is bringing it in a, a different way how there is a battle within and that this heart matters we are going to look at the war going within which reflected outside and making us enemies of god foes of god what all the evil desires can a child of god have evil desires will it be possible here he narrates with a very straightforward vocabulary okay it is more like sometimes we use it in our anger against somebody like i will kill you i will slap you i will see to you and uh, we keep giving warnings at times when you are really angry i'll we tell them i'll take you to task the same way this number of figurative use of words by james are explained by theologians that he meant the other way around to be firm and to be assertive of what was going in the middle of in the midst of the people of god who supposed to have had the faith and who are supposed to be people of god because that's how we address to the 12 tribes and the christian who have come out of uh, jewish religion and become children of god and also in the fourth verse chapter verse chapter 4 verse 4 you adulterous people he even used some strong words what do we understand here there is a war within and we all know how you know the particular uh, tree rooted in the good soil well watered and well taken care given all the uh, needed things of bringing forth fruits cannot yield a uh, bad fruit and in the same way if our hearts are right and there has to be a good fruit and there were people with quarrelsomeness and seeking pleasures and uh, keeping power and they wanted uh, something like you know they wanted them to be promoted 
them to have all the possession. They were acting with uh, uh, greed and they were craving for things. They all come from our hearts. We all know what Jesus also said, every evil proceeds from within and they come out of the heart. And that's where even we read from Jeremiah chapter 17, 10, God searches our heart. He knows how wicked the heart is and which is where God wants to bring in the transformation. And so when this much is visible, let us be aware what, how we are filling our hearts, how my heart is. No one can have a double standard of life. There cannot be duality in Christian life. You think something inside and do something outside. So what here he described, you want something, you don't get it. You kill, covet, cannot have what you want. You quarrel, fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Asking God also has come there. Many a times, for our personal motives, our personal ambitions, where we want to place my conviction, my way of doing things, my pleasure, my pleasure, what I mean to say, many a times when we carry out our agendas, we are well pleased to ourselves. It is pleasing to myself. When my, whatever I propose, you all have done it. Oh, you know, I feel something elated. I feel accepted. I feel, you know, honored. And that is where the quarrel comes. So in a congregation of believers, there can be self-promoting desires, self-promoting ambitions, or even principles. And that's where the thing called killing can take place, quarrel can come in and cover, and we crave for certain things. There could be a wrong motives. How can we understand that? And that is where change is hitting hard. You ask God, you don't get it. What, what, does, what does it mean? Check our prayer life. Many a times our prayers are, prayers are self-centered. You know, I, me, myself. We pray for three people every day. <laughs> Have you noticed we pray for three people without fail? I pray for I, Michael. I pray for myself and for everything that I want. I, me, myself. These three people are very dangerous for the people of God. So we ask God, why? As I mentioned, we became forth because of our covetousness. Covetousness, greed, and coveting things are compared to the idol worship. So let us be careful about how we promote ourselves. And this is where the Lord is warning us. You ask, you don't get it. What does it mean? What God said, ask in my name, I will give you. Here, James is hitting hard. Chapter 4. Verse uh, uh, 3, second part. Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I ask for money for my own pleasure. It is something very dangerous at a part of time like this. So, we move on. How then we can alter this course of life? The war within can be won. We can become friends of God. James himself is giving very good hope for that. He is giving a hope, verse 4 following. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? 
anyone who chooses to be the friend of the world becomes an enemy of God? Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? So, worldliness by the coveting greed and our putting our wants only in our prayer, our prayers are not getting answered. And he called that kind of people as uh, adulteress. The word adultery, adulteress is referred in the Old Testament by the great prophets. When people of God like Israel, they wandered away, followed Baal and other goddesses, and went in the way of Gentiles. They followed the people around them. They forgot the living God, Yahweh, the God Almighty, Yahweh God. And in that, they are called you people adulterous. Why God, you know, very fondly was possessive of his people out of his love and care for Israelites. And that is where he promised them so much so to give them everything, offer them anything they ask. But these people, they wanted to be friendly with Gentiles. They wanted to have the practice of everyone around them where they waged a war against God and therefore they were referred even you adulterers, you went after other women. Hosea is one good example. God used in the Bible to depict them how they have wandered away marrying adulterous women, a prostitute. And so, to get back to the friendship with God, we are called back to, uh, God is persuading us to desist ourselves from, uh, prohibit ourselves from following the way of do others who are doing, others how the worldly people are doing. The world is after so much of pleasure, entertainment, and uh, you know the uh, amount of money invested in the Bollywood, if you have noticed, the pictures and all the movies are, you know, uh, they, they have spent such a huge amount and that much profit or double the profit they get from whatever their investment. And these are all taking away from the living God. And these are all even promoting, associating with everywhere, anybody compromising with the world. These are all something very big abomination to God. These are all you know, equal to becoming adulterous, unfaithful to God. Can a church and believers become unfaithful to God? So to become friends of God, we need to overcome all these things. How do we overcome? He, uh, James is putting it in verse 6, a, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the fraud, but gives grace to the humble. He, by bringing us back to God, restoring us back to God, setting our hearts right with God, making us a, a you know, single-hearted person, you know, single-minded person. We are restored. Single-hearted person means we only focus on God. So are we made not to look at anything, not to enjoy anything? That would be the question that will straight away come to any, uh, you know, the young people. Yes, there is permission for so many things and which are coming part of our lifestyle. Very true. But the things that can drag away because of our greed can make us forth, but to live as in the friendship of God as 
the great saints, uh, the, uh, the heroes of faith and heroines of faith did, we need to fix ourselves in the center of God's will to have the single-heartedness, the oneness of heart, the one heart to serve God. In this way only, we can be friends of God. So making us overcome us by what? The, keeping ourselves separated from the worldliness, the casualness and the carnality of this world, the way the world is practicing. And here, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes enemy. So we keep ourselves away from the world. We keep in close friendship with God. There are a number of people called as friends of God in Bible. Am I right? Call friends of God. Abraham was a friend of God. With Moses, God spoke face to face. Are we ready to receive that grace which God wants to lavish upon us in all our infirmities? The grace of God is ready to abound in us. So let us be careful and follow the submission to God. Well, uh, James finally takes us how that very surrendered life and our submission in humility to God can lead us to be the real friends of God and live out our faith. Here, James in chapter 4, verse 6, following again, he brings this thought very clearly. Submit yourself to God. A very clear instruction that has come all the way in the Bible. Christ Jesus submitted himself to God. He's the embodiment of humility. He is personified in his very nature as a servant leader. He put on the servanthood on, upon himself, came to serve us, not to be served. And we, the other side, look at Satan, a personified person of pride. Many of us who would read Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 28 will understand how the fall of the Lucifer took place. The one who was established in the presence of God had a fall. Well, this uh, very incident of the fall of Lucifer, are we to understand Satan, who is a devouring lion and who is bringing the same temptation of pride in the minds of people, is personified to be the pride himself. He tempted Adam and Eve. He said, you'll be like God. Why are you missing that position of being God? Whereas God himself has made them in his image and treated them, his equals, uh, co-rulers of the creation he made. So we see from Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, where the passage is coming very clearly, how Satan had his fall. And he himself wanted to elevate himself up. And hence, our James is bringing a very clear instruction that how we have to put on the humility. Verse 7, submit yourself then to God, resist devil. We all know how Jesus Christ resisted devil. Have you ever come across resisting devil? I can narrate from my life. I initially, in my uh, old life, unconverted life, although I had Christian family, I was running after the pleasures of the world as a school student. I would bunk the classes. I would steal money from wherever possible. 
uh, and then run to entertain myself in various forms. I can't describe all more than that. And once my life got changed and I repented, confessed my sins, accepted Christ as my savior and Christ Jesus accepted myself as his beloved child, there I faced the resistance from Satan. He was roaring lion. He wanted to devour me. Once, once again, I went along with my friends to do something very mischievous. From the friends, the Spirit of God pricked me with his word. Where are you? If you fall into this temptation, you are going to be devoured by Satan. I there prayed, Lord, here I receive your grace. You are with me. I cannot be found in this company of fellows. I told my friends, I am leaving. Man, we have paid and we are going to waste our money. Thank you. The same day evening, guys came and they challenged me. How dare you miss this? I said, I cannot spend that whole life. They said, man, few days, few weeks back, you were doing the same thing with us. What happened to you? Well, at a point of time, your changeover takes place. You come in confrontation with devil. That's where Jesus displayed in his life. How did he win the victory? Resisting devil. If you look at all the three occasions of uh, Satan uh, confronting, tempting Jesus, it was exactly on the same line of, you know, taking away the submission, the humility, and uh, serving the purpose and causes for which Christ has come. So, we need to have the humility. What James is putting very nicely, and he says, uh, verse 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, coming to God needs us, as I earlier also said, needed a single-mindedness. You cannot be double-minded. And James also says, how a double-minded person can be tossed as a leaf on the uh, you know, ocean or a water. So here, God is very clearly giving us to come near. How do we come near? Is there a way that I can be near to God? God all the time said, you seek me, I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am going to be with you always till the end of the ages. That's the promise of God. So let us think it is God who is all the time available to us I have to draw myself close to God. How close I am. How I can be nearer to God. If you look at the very life standards of Jesus Christ, he was near to God. He displayed that being nearer to God. He said, you know, the things of the world can distract you. But I, as I serve the Father, the earth is under the control of Satan. I am close to the Father. We need to be living in the close proximity and the presence of Savior Jesus Christ and our Almighty God. How do we do that? That's where the prayer comes. That's where the second, the instruction that are followed in verse uh, 8 and 9, we see there. Give, grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. If you look at the priest, the high priest in the Bible, they go into the Holy of Holies. If they fail in any of their holiness, 
sanctification, purification, they are dead. Why? They are entering the Holy of Holies with whatever cleansing God has ordained in his decrees they need to follow. And in the same way, James brings in to our knowledge how we have to forgo the double-mindedness, have a single-mindedness, cleansing ourselves, purifying ourselves and our hearts and grieve and mourning and we need to come to him. Why grief and mourning? He puts it in so many you know, uh, phrases. He says, grieve, mourn, wail, change your love to mourning and your joy to gloom. Is it something contradicting to Bible? Oh brother, we just read, studied from Thessalonians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Joy of the Lord is my strength. And Paul keeps saying, rejoice always. Well, the joy of the Lord is something very different. But if we, the people of God, happen to realize in our analysis of our lives and search of our lives, if we have gone astray with our personal ambition, with not putting the faith into action, and by becoming forced by our personal ambition, foregoing God's, God's almighty plan and God's original plan for our lives, here we are called to keep repenting and we all know those who repented with this level of grief sorrow for their sins their fallenness their backsliding they would be restored and would be blessed that's what we see being near to god would take us giving us control back to god verse 10 chapter 4 verse 10 humble yourself before the lord and he will lift you up what a promise we all know this is exactly Christ himself told us. You humble yourself, I will exalt you. Those who become proud will be brought down. When you true to the word of God, here uh, James is very clearly indicating to all of us. We know we have faith. We know we are uh, fighting the enemy and we need to become friends of God. We all know that we need to submit to God, but where do we find this application for ourselves? Well, is my humility visible in my action or am I seen as a proud fellow? You can make it out. If somebody walking the head in the air, nose in the air, you know, promoting oneself as the boss, as God himself, Almighty, Michael Almighty or anybody XY Almighty, we can make that out, but you can recognize by the actions that are displayed in your life. How are you humble? How much you submit to God, it will be seen. So let us come and take this faith in action and submit to God. Allow God to take charge of my life. When God has taken charge of your life, we'll be in the right track. We will be going to the right destination and reaching with God elevating us, God blessing us. Here in conclusion, I also want all of us to search our lives in the light of all the instruction we are receiving in the book of James. Many a times we think salvation I receive by faith. Why action? Why action? You think Paul didn't talk about action? 
he talks so much about action work of our salvation work out our salvation philippians chapter 2 verse 13 to god has saved us for good works there are so many verses you can go and find out yourself god wants us to make our faith displayed in our action but our uh, salvation is not based on our uh, based on our works but everything follows so james has brought in so many instructions to be followed in our christian life every instruction they they though they look like uh, you know another 10 commandments or more than that we are called to show in our uh, action every day and that would be reflected in our submission to god giving charge of your life may my faith lead to submission to god in action and reflect my lord savior jesus to whose charge i hand over my life shall we pray together first for a moment